Marriage is the building block for society. It's a picture of Christ and His church. But what happens after everything has been attempted to work out marital difficulties and one or both spouses throw in the towel? What happens when divorce becomes a fact, especially when there are children involved? Today on Licensed to Parent, we'll continue a discussion with Tammy Daughtry on how to minimize the collateral damage of divorce on our children and the entire family. Tammy's the author of the book, Co-Parenting Works, working together to help your children thrive after divorce. Our host is Trey Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. Welcome to Licensed to Parent. Well, Trace, I think you and I would both agree that parenting can be overwhelming, even when both parents are working together under the same roof. But if if that's not the case in your family, it can really be challenging to do it well, can it? Absolutely, Rich. Tammy Bennett Daughtry is the CEO of Co-Parenting International, and we're going to hope that she's going to be able to walk us through this maze of what to do when your family doesn't fit together in the traditional father-mother under the same roof uh, scenario. Tammy, one one uh, theme that I think I've been hearing you say quite a bit is how important communication is, but but not just communication like, gee, let's all talk about it, but guarded and very intentional communication. Uh, you, you mentioned bringing the step-parent in on some of the co-parenting meetings. You talked about communicating clearly with your child, but a age-appropriate communication about what's been going on. And uh, and I think, boy, those of us who, by God's grace, are in solid marriages still need to hear that lesson, especially when it comes to parenting our teens. It's the communication and the breakdown of communication that can cause so many problems uh, for, for both the parents and for the kids, too, can't it? Yes, absolutely. And actually, the editor at Zondervan that uh, worked on my book, she's a traditional mom with four children at home. She said that about 90% of what she read in this book, she directly uh, linked to traditional marriage, to having very healthy, protected um, communication where children have boundaries. They're not observing inappropriate conversation. They're not told negative things about the other parent. And they're basically allowed to be the kid. You know, mom and dad do the hard work of parenting and let the kids be the kids. Mm. So... Well, you know, I I, uh, I talk to a lot of um, kids who basically think they're raising their parents, uh, <laughs> especially in the divorce situation. And uh, parents have a tendency to lean on their kids, especially when they're in their teen years, thinking that they're evidently their own private counselor. But uh, talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about parentification. In, in your book, you you speak to that. So share a little bit about that. Yes. Um, you know, that again, it's a common thing to find yourself as a single parent just falling apart emotionally, spiritually, mentally, financially. I mean, it is, it's like a bomb goes off in your life and, um, you know, you're sitting there with all these broken pieces trying to figure out what is next. So in, um, unfortunately, when parents are not able to adjust well, the hard work or some of the work uh, by default ends up going to the, the children. Mm-hmm. And sometimes kids as young as seven and eight years old are truly being the confidant, the counselor, the companion to their parents. And so to counteract that, what I try to encourage moms and dads to do is find stable support for yourself. Find, I call them the 3 a.m. friends. Find three people that you can go to 24-7 and find support so that you're talking, you're processing, you're going through your own emotional angst with healthy, appropriate adults. 
The second thing is to, to consider counseling because counseling will help any parent at any stage of the game to really have a healthy look at their life and what is working, what isn't working, what do I need to learn and adjust from. And as, as parents get healthy and they find healthy adults to lean on, they will have more energy and more courage to stand up and say, okay, I am the mom, I have to take care of things here. And, you know, when you're going through it and you feel alone and you don't have any help or the people around you are just, you know, just negative or saying, hey, let's go drink, let's go do these other things to mm-hmm. numb the pain, you know, that can that's just pain upon pain. And so, sure. you know, finding healthy people um, who can walk with you, even if it's a phone call, you know, a friend that's 10 states away, um, consider counseling for yourself and even especially for kids. Um, you know, kids always need an outside voice to, to listen and to talk to. Yeah. Counseling in any family, all families, is a healthy choice. And, and just getting that, that counsel initiates uh, uh, an act of humility that probably begins the healing process right there just to make that decision that, hey, listen, I'm, this is out of my hands. I need help. Um, well, in a joint custody case, should a child be given a choice as to whether they want to live with one parent or the other or if they want to visit their parent on visitation day? Or should that be uh, stuff reserved entirely for the parents or the courts? Or if so, what age? Mm. Mm-hmm. You I, guys ask good I, questions on this show. <laughs> well, I, I personally think that we give our kids way too many choices during a divorce. Uh, I'll I, I tell you what, nothing destroyed me more as a child uh, than... Uh, being asked who I'd rather li- live with, my, my my mom or my dad, you know, holidays, I, they were asking me this stuff, and I'm thinking, man, you're the adults for crying out loud. You get this figured out. I'll just I'll just roll with the punches, you know. But is that uh, out of the question to think that parents should really be making these uh, decisions? That kids need to be shielded from that. I think. I believe, again, personal opinion, that children need access to both parents on a consistent basis. Sure. It could be visitation, it could be 50-50, any equation of it. They need access to time to interact with that other parent. And when kids are little, I, you know, I work with, worked with a dad yesterday, you know, his kids are small, sometimes they don't act like they want to come to him, you know, when he's, he's there to pick them up, and he's asking the question, well, maybe I shouldn't do that, you know, and, and the mom's taking advantage of that and saying, well, you know, see, they don't want to spend time with you, they should just be with me. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the day, you know, kids... Kids don't want to leave a parent when you drop them off at Sunday school. That's I right. mean, <laughs> young children are, you know, they, they take a little time to adjust. And, you know, honestly, I believe it should be documented and, can, and processed through a court system with mediators, um, with people looking out for the best interest of the children, and then that plan should be carried out. I understand that angst of being, you know, caught in the middle of, well, where do you want to go or where do you not want to go? That should not, that burden of choice should not be put on children. With the rise in divorce over the last 20 or 30 years, we see on every street corner churches that are having divorce recovery meetings or divorce counseling and this sort of thing. That's always geared toward the adults, from what I can tell. Is there any move within the church to provide a divorce recovery ministry to kids? Well, actually, Divorce Care has a program separate program for kids called Divorce Care for Kids. And they have wonderful resources and curriculum and activities that parallel the process that parents are going through and help children process as well. I believe, you know, information and resources are beginning to to come up, but I know for sure I would endorse 
divorce care for kids. Tammy, uh, despite the studies that show that kids do better in a healthy single-parent home than in an unhealthy two-parent home, uh, there are a lot of Christians who believe that divorce uh, isn't an option regardless of how bad things get, uh, even when kids are in the equation. How do you respond to this? Well, again, I can't give a general one-size-fits-all answer to every situation. Um, I do know that, you know, when there is abuse involved, when there are are issues of safety, um, even, you know, potentially... um, personality disorders, um, you know, some of those extreme scenarios where one or even both parents are not healthy and they're not healthy together, you know, what I, what I would always say to any parent who's still married, maybe they've, you know, been fighting and having horrible conflict for years, the first thing is always to invest in counseling. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you can to empower yourself and, and grow as an individual, get healthy, and hopefully both people in counseling, individually and together, could unpack some of the stuff that they've brought into the conflicted marriage and could find healthier ways to process it. The and, problem is both parties usually think they're right and don't need the counseling. Right. How, do you, how do you manage right. that situation? Well, you know, I am a counselor, and, um, you know, and that's part of the, the sadness of it is you can't, it's kind of like that old-fashioned saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I simply try to uphold what health looks like, you know, here, you know, share information with people about what healthy communication, what healthy power looks like in marriage, what healthy roles look like. And, you know, and it's honestly, I, I've yet to meet a couple who it's all one person's fault. It's, mm-hmm. it's not ever that. It may be one person's bad decisions that are making the situation worse. But even, you know, in, I can say certainly in my scenario, you know, John and I were in five years of counseling. We grew as individuals. We grew, got healthier in some perspectives. But what I brought and what he brought into that dynamic caused very difficult circumstances and some behaviors and situations that came of that it was not a healthy marriage. It was not, you know, the, the Bible talks about, you know, husbands, lay down your, um, your life for your wife. Um, mm-hmm. Women, you are to submit. And, and we tried to do everything we knew to do to make it work. I was stubbornly committed. I'm never, ever, ever going to get divorced, ever. <laughs> mm, yeah. And... Um, and unfortunately, we still, we got to that fork in the road. And, you know, we were separated for quite a while. We didn't jump right to a divorce. Um, but eventually we did, we did go through that. And I wouldn't say that I wish that all would happen again, but I can tell you we have made healthy choices since then. And we have um, individually um, worked hard to create healthy single-parent families. And then now we've both remarried. And, and of course, step-parents bring in a whole other twist to the dynamics. And Which I'd like to ask you a question yeah. about step-parents. Sure. Uh, how much authority should a step-parent be given uh, over the children in the co-parenting equation? Because I think that's a line of demarcation that a lot of people struggle with. And especially since the child is going to be in that step-parent's house and care. Mm-hmm. Tammy and Trace, we need to take a break now. But when we come back, I want us to talk more about this step-parent versus parent challenge. What roles do each play? And can there be harmony? This is Licensed to Parent. I'm Rich Rosel. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Rich Rosel, co-host of Licensed to Parent. 
The conversations and the teaching that you hear on this program come from the daily experiences gained at Shepherd's Hill Academy, the Christ-centered therapeutic boarding school founded by our host, Trace Embry, that serves troubled teenagers from all around the world. Teens come to Shepherd's Hill struggling with depression, oppositional defiance, ADD, ADHD, cutting, digital addictions, and any number of other behavioral disorders. Yet by God's grace, and by using the scriptural principles that we discuss right here on License to Parent, these students experience healing. Not only that, many are graduating medication-free. At Shepherd's Hill, we're cultivating the soil of our students' hearts so that the seed of God's Spirit can take root and bear fruit. And on License to Parent, we're equipping you to be the parent your child needs. Please join us in this important outreach by visiting us today at LicensedToParent.org. Your tax-deductible contribution can rebuild the hearts and lives of teens and their parents in today's troubled culture. Don't wait. Go to LicensedToParent.org and click Donate at the top of the page. This is Kevin Swanson from Generations with Vision, and I want to say that Shepherd's Hill Academy is a wonderful opportunity for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the reconciliation of, of our young people with God, uh, reformation of life, uh, the ministry of the Spirit of God, and radically changing lives. And, and by the grace of God, this is what happens with Shepherd's Hill Academy. And we want to praise God for what uh, these folks have been doing. Shepherd's Hill Academy serves families with teenagers in crisis. If you have a situation you need help with, go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Inquire Now. That's HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Thanks for listening to License to Parent. Today talking with Tammy Daughtry, author of Co-Parenting Works, Working Together to Help Your Children Thrive After Divorce. And Tammy, how do you distinguish between the role of the step-parent versus the role of the parent and then keep all that in balance so that war doesn't break out? Because, see, we're, we're, we're here uh, broadcasting from the high atop a horse pasture in the middle of Shepherd's Hill Academy where we deal with troubled teenagers. Oh, yeah. You know, troubled teenagers with step-parents knowing what their boundaries are. And I can tell you from my own experience, uh, my father, if he didn't, I felt he did the right thing by saying, when we're here, she has every authority that your mother has under this roof. That worked fine in our situation. I'd like to hear what, uh, what you have to say about that. Well, I'd like to mention some other resources that go into this very, very comprehensively. And I support them. I, I promote them. I, I teach from them. Um, Ron Deal, he's the founder of Successful Step Family International. Um, his website is full of rich, rich information on all of these questions. You know, Ron talks about how it takes up to sometimes seven years to blend a, a step family. Um, you know, we're kind of a microwave world where we want things quick and easy right. and, you know, get to that end result. He gives an analogy, you know, step families are more like what happens in a crock pot, mm -hmm. low heat over slow time, and then it blends. And so he actually says in many cases, and this is helpful to step families because sometimes when you're in one and it's not going well, you feel like you're alone. But he said traditionally it takes up to seven years for everyone in that step family equation to really find their role and to truly blend into a family. Well, that's because and every so, seven years your entire personality changes. <laughs> so that explains is that, that one. Is that really true? <laughs> that explains that one. I mean, every cell in your body changes every seven years. So you're dealing with different people. No, I'm, oh, I'm well, kidding. I'm glad
glad to know that. That's really helpful, Trace. So I guess I'm... Don't ask us for the scientific background. (laughs) I would like to know more about that. That's interesting. Well, so, you know, that's one word is that all of those roles and finding your roles take time. Um, Secondly, though, you know, again, in his resources, and and I do address, there's a couple chapters in my book about how to incorporate the step parent. um, And also, you know, what if the other household is very difficult and conflictual? So we do dive into a lot of that in my book. Um, But also in Ron's material, you know, they go into that thoroughly about some suggestions on how to maybe that first year who has authority and how you deliver consequences and and then building towards, you know, the step-parent having, as you said, the same authority as the bio-parent when they're in that home. And every family has to kind of find their way. You know, it depends on their own personality, on their history, on, you know, in our case, I'm a stepmom to three children, but their mom actually was... um, It's a horrible situation. She actually died in a car accident seven Mm -hmm. years ago. So I'm not co-parenting with her, but I'm certainly, you know, in the decisions that my husband and I make about our kids, there's a 21-year history of how he and her, you know, how they raised their children and what their parameters were. And so we, you know, we try to use the same equation of never um, having those conversations in front of kids, but doing the hard work of parenting behind closed doors. And so... In our own personal journey, I would say that, um, you know, in that first year or two, we would make parenting decisions, but I would let Jay deliver the news. (laughs) You know, if it was bad news, I let him be the one to deliver it. Um, Because, you know, a a bio parent delivering a consequence to their own child is never going to jeopardize, well, this, you know, do you love me? Um, It's not going to confuse the role of of, um, loyalty, those kinds of things. So. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said about how to do that, and every family, um, I think, stumbles through it. And I personally, I was in Ron's material reading it and, you know, reading The Smart Stepmom the whole first year we were married because mm-hmm. I needed that information. I needed to be reminded in my own family of how to apply that. So, um, you know, I, I think in the, in the bigger picture, um, as far as when we sit down now in our co-parenting meetings, um, you know, my daughter's father and I, we, you know, legally are the two people that make all the decisions. But when he remarried, um, Angelia was about four, I actually said, you know, John, why don't we invite Paula to our co-parenting meetings? Because if Angel's going to be in your house, you know, 50% of the time, sure. that's going to be the female role in her life 50% of the time. And she has three older children. And you know, I want her to be part of this team. I don't want to exclude her because I knew, again, growing up with a stepmom, if there was any conflict or confusion or um, um, difficulty between myself and Angelia's stepmom, well, the person that would get hurt the most would be Angelia. And so I really, truly wanted to build a bridge with her from day one as much as I could so that Angelia would know, hey, it's okay to have her in your life. It's okay to love her. It's okay to... Um, you know, enjoy the time you're with your stepmom. Mm-hmm. And fast-forwarding to the teenage years, I tell you that's actually really come in handy because, you know, we, we probably, I would say, you know, the journey of how she and I interact with each other has ebbed and flowed, um, but I have really always wanted to consistently respect her and uphold her. And now, um, you know, my daughter's a great kid, but I'll tell you in the last year there's been twice that Paula has called and said, Tammy, I'm really having trouble today, and we are dealing with this situation over here, and she won't listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, you know, that took a lot of courage for her stepmom to call me because in that moment I could throw her under the bus, I could be the hero, I could be the favorite. But what I chose to do was say, you know, put her on the phone. I said, Angelia, you need to respect your stepmother. You need to do what she says. And if you don't, you will have a consequence next week at my house. And what I tried to deliver to Angelia in that moment is we're all in this together. As complex as it is, you have to respect the parental authorities in your life. And so, um, you know, people are kind of shocked by that. They're like, wow, I could never do that. You know, mm-hmm. I, we, you don't know my situation. And I don't. I don't know everyone's. Um, well, so but I do know. So, so it's not, not, not just important not to speak ill and not support the ex, but the spouse of the ex. I oh, mean, absolutely. I mean, Again, every choice of words, description, reaction Think about that from a child's perspective. Mm-hmm. And again, this is where my my very complex childhood has always come in as a first filter of thinking, okay, if I say this or if I don't say this, if I respond a certain way, how's that going to feel to my daughter? And I can always go back to my own experience of, wow, you know, that would have hurt or that would have mm-hmm. helped. And so not everyone has that, and I'm thankful you know, for, for parents who didn't grow up in a divorced family themselves. Um, you know, sometimes you don't really know how to react, and you don't um, have any other perspective than what's right in front of you. Well, I think the so secret, it, is, as opposed to reacting, you, you respond when you have time to, to think through the issues. Tammy, uh, I, I get these two questions a lot. I know we're running short on time, but uh, should a custodial parent ever keep the other parent from visitation because of non-payment? No. Okay. Because <laughs> right. kids still need time with that parent. And okay. custodial parents do need to seek um, legal action to make sure that those uh, finances are being taken care of and are being provided. Okay. Um, as long as that other parent has a safe environment for the child, they're yeah. able to provide food and shelter, I would say no. Children yeah. still need time with parents. No, I totally agree. When I was a kid, my stepfather's friends would pull me off to the side at one time or another, and I'm just maybe uh, seven, eight, nine years old, and encouraged me to call him dad. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think he wanted me to call him dad. Now, uh, even though my real dad picked me up every Friday. So w- what's your counsel for, for a young kid like that who's having adults tell him to call your stepfather or stepmother mom or dad? You know, my perspective is let the kids pick what they call everybody. Um, honestly, if if parents are dictating what those labels are, or doing it again, go back to the motive. <laughs> if they're doing that because it's you know territorial and they're trying to be possessive, then what that does for kids is kids live on eggshells. It's you know they're always thinking, okay, wait, now what do I say about this person over here? I'm supposed to call him dad, but over here I have to say he's stepdad or or Bob or you know, and and then the kid is that was confused. my stepdad's name, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, there you go. But, you know, I really, I know we are running on short on time, really fast example. And again, I grew up between two families, had lots of step parents in and out of my life. And so when I was presented with my little girl, age four, saying, Mommy, my dad's getting married. I said, I know. I said, I'm really excited. Daddy's, you know, found somebody to love. She goes, well, what am I going to call her? And I said, you know what, Angel, why don't you talk to her about that? I said, you guys come up with a name. You, you and Daddy talk about it. Whatever you want to call her is fine. Mm. And I then went on to say, Angelia, you can even call her mom if you want to. Because I knew 
three other kids in that household were going to call that woman mom. And my daughter was four. Mm -hmm. And so I just said to her, honey, anything you want to call her. And the person that observed that conversation asked me later, why in the world would you allow her to call her stepmom mom? I don't get it. I said, you know what? It's not about the labels. The labels are just man's way of identifying people. You know, I know I birthed her. She is my daughter. I will always be her mother. No, no other woman can take that away, nor will she, you know, I didn't sense that she was going to try to do that, you know, but I didn't have to fight for that. God gave her to me. She was mine first. So yeah. there's no reason to put the stress of labels on her. Sure. And so I, you know, over the years, she's had different ways she refers to her stepmom. Sometimes it's Paula. Sometimes it's mom. You know, she'll talk to me about, oh, yeah, last week we did this, this and that, you know, and sometimes she calls her Paula, Miss Paula or mom. And you know what? I don't react. I just let her love us all. I suspect Angelie is probably a pretty giving kid. She is. She is. And she's a smart teenager, too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, uh, I think she's had a, a mother that's modeled a giving heart, and I think that's a good thing. But uh, last question here. Speak to our divorced parents listening to the broadcast today. What, what word of encouragement can you give them uh, that would give them hope for a bright future for their kids? What, if you had one thing to say to them. God is faithful, and God loves you, and God will never leave you. Amen. He will walk with you. He will give you all that you need to raise the children He's given you. And it, it may seem dark. It may seem hopeless. And I remember sitting at my kitchen table, literally weeping, not knowing how I would even put one foot forward when I was stepping into the journey of being a single mom. It was not what I wanted. It was not my dream. It was completely opposite of what I wanted for my life story. But I can tell you 13 years later, God has been faithful and he has always shown up and he has always protected me and been my husband and been my companion. Mm. And he will not leave us. And, and we right. may fall, we may make great choices, we may make bad choices, we may do well at co-parenting, we may fumble completely. But God is faithful and I, I came to know that in my single parent journey more than any time in my life, that he knew every dollar in my bank account. He knew every um, need of my schedule. He knew every car problem I was going to have. And he always eventually brought a solution. And he knows your motives. He knows your oh, heart. Yeah. And I think that's key for any parent listening today, uh, that your heart and motives must be right. Yeah. Uh, if they're not, God might make things limitable for you. That's true. Well, he's a faithful God. Yes. Amen. Our guest for the last two programs has been Tammy Bennett Daughtry. She is the founder and CEO of Co-Parenting International. You can find them online at coparentinginternational.com. She's also the author of Co-Parenting Works, Helping Your Children Thrive After Divorce. Tammy also mentioned Ron Deal, who has a lot of helpful materials regarding step families, and his website is smartstepfamilies.com. Tammy, thank you so much for taking the time to share this information with us. Any last words before we go? Just quickly, at our website, we have a ton of free downloads, and I would say to any parent, please go there and click on one piece of paper. It's called the Top 10 Things Kids Wish They Could Say to Their Divorced Parents. Please read that. Please share it with the other parent. And, and find ways that you have the information you need to do a great job at this journey. That's good info. Mm. Tammy, again, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure, and we hope to have you back again soon. Yes, ma'am. Well, it's been my honor. Thank you so much. 
Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy in Martin, Georgia. And if you missed the first part of our interview with Tammy, you can hear it and all of our past programs at our website, licensedtoparent.org. While you're there, you can also check out our blog, our parenting resources, links to connect with us via Facebook and Twitter, and there is a donate button in the upper right portion of the page, which we hope you'll click in order to become one of our ministry partners. Your financial support is what makes it possible to continue working with teens here at Shepherd's Hill Academy and with parents through the Licensed to Parent broadcast, and your gift in any amount will be a tremendous blessing. On behalf of Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time for Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.